Hello everyone and welcome to Questions You're Not Asking. My name is Tom French. And I'm Chris Morphew. And Chris and I are writing a book with responses to a bunch of absurd questions about God and the Bible that you're probably not asking and probably don't need an answer to. But as we prepare to write the book, we are letting you in on our discussions. But before we get to the big question for today, Chris, how has your week been? It's been pretty good. Um, we went back to, I'm sorry to rub it in because you're in Melbourne and, you know, you're a ways off from this. But here in Sydney um, at my church, we went back to meeting in person on Sunday, which was heaps fun, even though it was, you know, masks on and social distancing and no singing and all of that. It was just really nice to like be with everyone and see, well, to see the top half of everyone's faces anyway. Um, so that was pretty good. And that is the biggest event. The rest is just life going on, except everyone's a bit more fragile because we're in a pandemic. So, yeah. Um, how about you, Tom? How's your week been? Well, I've been stuck in lockdown like normal. So um, it's just been dull. Except I, I have some news for you. Yes. Uh, Emily, Emily is pregnant. What? That's so good. I can't believe you waited until we were recording the podcast to tell me that. Congratulations. Thought it'd be more fun on the podcast. That's great, regardless of whether it's out there for all the world to hear at the same time you tell me. Congratulations. That's so good. <laughs> See, who says you can't get anything done in lockdown? <laughs> we got at least one thing done. Oh, that's so cool, man. I'm like, so when is she due? March 15th, I think. Cool. Oh, post-COVID. Oh, definitely. She'll get that baby out, pop it quick full of the COVID vaccine, which will no doubt have freely available by then, and she'll never know a day of pandemic. What a wonderful yeah. thing. Did you just call our baby a she? Is that your prediction? Yes. I work at a girls' school, and so all children are girls. <laughs> Also, I think maybe my she, I, I, look, you can go back and listen to the recording, but I feel like the she was your wife, um, but maybe the she was also the child. I think you said she'll, has... she'll never know a day of pandemic. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, yes, she's a girl. Congratulations. You should send her to my school. All right. We will. She, she can commute all the way to Sydney for school. So, we have borders. It'll, it's great. Yeah, that's, love it. that's an easier way to look after kids, actually. So, when does boarding mm. start? Can you do from kindergarten or prep? don't know. Um, no one does. It may You may need to wait until high school, I think. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> don't know. You should just move back to Sydney. I feel like this is just my covert operation to get you guys to move back to Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. All right. Well, there you go. There's that news. But we should we should get on with the episode. Yeah, and look, this is where it's good that we recorded the rest of the episode um, earlier on because now I am very distracted by the fact that you're having a kid. And so, cool, what did we talk about? Who did we talk to? Tom, take it away. We had a guest on whose name is Dr. Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity, which we'll tell you more about when we get to the stuff that we pre-recorded. Uh, but some interesting stuff happened for Natasha between when we recorded the the interview and now when the uh, podcast is coming out. Because last week she won the Australian Christian Book of the Year Award for her book, For the Love of God, How the Church is Better and Worse Than You Ever Imagined. 
so that's a big deal. Like that's that's pretty much the Oscars for Christian books, and we have a an Oscar winner on our show. We get the big big time guests. Fantastic. Also, I don't want to claim too much of the responsibility for this, but all I want to say is she recorded our podcast and then suddenly she starts winning national book <laughs> awards. So, I mean, you join the dots how you want, but I feel like you're welcome, Tash. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she'll probably share some of the winnings with us because of our influence on her career and writing what is the what is the winnings on a christian book award it's probably like 12 dollars, i imagine something like it's that. it's 12 dollars and a fish sticker mm, that's pretty good yeah yeah all right so we will uh <laughs> we should probably get on with that and, and actually go to our past selves to hear what they have to say great we'll catch you all later take Peace. it away us from the past <laughs> So, our question for today is actually a question that we've realized a lot of people have asked and are asking, so it totally doesn't fit the genre of this show. But when we answer it, they won't need to ask it anymore. Yeah, they'll be they'll be finished asking it, we'll have solved it. And it'll be back in the category of questions they're not asking. It'll be a question no longer asked. So, the question that we are asking... What's the question, Tom? ...is... If there are aliens, does the gospel apply to them? And when we talk about aliens, we're talking about extraterrestrials, not uh, illegal immigrants or legal immigrants or any of that stuff. Extraterrestrials, we are doing that. And, oh, and we, we have a guest for this one. That is true. With us today in exciting news is Dr. Natasha Moore. How are you going, Tash? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Great. I'm, I'm going to introduce you with a very impressive sounding bio that I found on the Center for Public Christianity website. Oh, this will be good. Okay. Dr. Natasha Moore is a research fellow at the Center for Public Christianity. She has a PhD in English literature from the University of Cambridge and is the author of Victorian Poetry and Modern Life, The Unpoetical Age, and For the Love of God, How the Church is Better and Worse Than You Ever Imagined, as well as the editor of 10 Tips for Atheists and Other Conversations in Faith and Culture. And also, this needs an update because you are now also the author of The Pleasures of Pessimism. Is that correct? Is that what the book's called? Yeah, that is what the book's called. Nailed it. Um, she has worked at CPX since 2014 and written for the mainstream media. Oh, the mainstream media. The lamestream media. <laughs> right. <laughs> On topics that include books, movies, politics, food, domestic violence, scripture in schools, war, Thanksgiving, and freedom of speech. But she has not yet been on the questions you're not asking podcast. That totally made me sound like someone who can answer this question, right? <laughs> so qualified, astrophysics. You also have come and um, spoken at my school and confirmed to me that you have a very big brain. So we are looking forward to, to picking that brain and getting to the bottom of this question because, as we've discovered, the whole world's asking it. Everyone for like... 2,000 years and more, yes. I just want to ask, before we get into this, Natasha, can I ask you about, uh, I did some other research online, and I found that mm -hmm. it seems like you're the author of the Men of Lakeside <laughs> and the Silver Fox Romance series. Is that 
Is that you? Yeah, I think my favorite titles in that series are The July Guy the Jul- and also The Ride of Her Life. <laughs> um, I, I, it didn't occur to me that you would, but of course, you would Google me before I came on your podcast. Um, uh, alas, I can confirm that I am not also a writer of romance novels with a little more sizzle. Oh, no. That's disappointing. And I think I, <laughs> I would be less upset about sharing her name if it were not that I'm pretty sure her prose is bad. Oh, dear. Oh, I, I'm going to present an alternate theory. Okay. And this is more of a Ron Wyatt-level theory, but um, I think you are the author of those books, and I think it's like a plausible deniability thing because it's your pseudonym but it is your actual name because who would ever suspect that? And you can just be like, no, I'm not that Natasha Moore. And then you can just rake in those. Are they self-published, those books, or are they? Look, I'm not her. I can't tell you. (laughs) I have not extensively looked into the matter, Um, but it has at times been inconvenient to me, including when Google decided to couple my photo and also books I have written with her Great. bio on <laughs> with you, Google search. So I did like quite a bit of work to try to get Google to sort that out and to get Amazon to sort that out. And I'm not totally sure I've succeeded. Um, should we get to the question? <laughs> Let's get sure. to the question. Okay. So, so our question is, does the gospel apply to aliens if they exist? And I would like to take a step back and pitch to you, I, I want to read to you a quote from Thomas Paine, who is an English-born American political activist, philosopher, political theorist, and revolutionary, and author of The Age of Reason, um, part one of which came out in 1794. And I want to read you this quote because I think it is something that we should probably bear in mind as we go forward with this conversation. And he writes in old English because he is old in English. From whence, then, could arise the solidarity and strange conceit that the Almighty, who had millions of worlds equally dependent on his protection, should quit the care of all the rest and come to die in our world because, they say, one man and one woman had eaten an apple. And on the other hand, are we to suppose that every world in the boundless creation had an Eve, an apple, a serpent, and a redeemer? In this case, the person who is irreverently called the son of God and sometimes God himself would have nothing else to do than to travel from world to world in an endless succession of deaths with scarcely a momentary interval of life. So Thomas Paine would take the view that we're asking the wrong question and it is if aliens do exist, then perhaps we should be asking, isn't it time to throw Christianity out altogether? Because either isn't it supreme arrogance to say that Jesus of all the worlds came and died for us in our world, or isn't it equally ridiculous to assume that if there's like millions of worlds out there that you've got Jesus having to like drop into every single one, one by one and die for them? So there, so wh- what do you have to say to that? <laughs> what do we say to QED? T-Pain? <laughs> well, I, I, I do think this question is ultimately going to come back to the incarnation, right? Mm. Which is a profound mystery. I feel like that might be where we're going to land in the end. Yeah. But because really the question is, is there only one incarnation? Mm. Like once Jesus is a human, once the second person of the Trinity is human, he's locked in, right? Yeah. He's human forever. Can you, can you go and be other incarnated as other things? And then if he is, can 
other life forms worship a human god? Mm. Mm. There are there are many questions here. But I mean, do they need an incarnation? Do they need an atonement? Are they fallen? We talked about, I guess, a version of this question in an earlier episode where we talked about multiple universes. Mm. And there we kind of came to the conclusion that if they're all alternate universes, then if Jesus went and incarnated in each universe, then perhaps they were all, in a sense, the same incarnation and the same sacrifice just kind of manifested in a bunch of different dimensions. But with aliens, you can't do that because it's all the same universe. Thomas Paine sort of has a point that, like, if Jesus really has gone around and become one of everything and died for everything, isn't that a bit nuts? <laughs> well, yeah, I, f- I think that this question ultimately makes me sad because I think it leads me to uh, the incarnation implies that probably there is no intelligent life other than us, no no intelligent moral agents other than us in the universe. Because we didn't even ask that question, right? Like, are there aliens? Mm. Yeah. Do we yeah. think there are? We could start there. Hey. <laughs> yeah, there definitely could be life that is not intelligent or that is intelligent but not moral. Like, there's a lot of dogs running around or something like that. Or there could be aliens that are out there who are you know, moral aliens, maybe they've been created in the image of God, but they never fell. And so they don't need to be redeemed. They do still need to worship though, right? If God is who we believe God is from the Bible, then any life form in the universe worships this one God. Mm -hmm. They are creatures of his. So they are still worshiping a triune God, the second person of whom is human. Does that seem weird if you're not human? I was talking about this to a friend of mine and he, like I was talking about how we were going to do this question next on the podcast. And he pointed out, if you put yourselves in the shoes of, you know, one of the people of Israel 3000 years ago, they thought in a sense that God was their God. He was the God of their people group. And of course, God had been planning to like completely blow that out and had said as far back as abraham or like arguably even adam and eve that he was going to come and restore himself to everybody but to them it was very much this was their localized thing and then jesus came and the mission became go out into all the world and so we assume that stops on earth but what if just as we are the ones who are racially outside the jewish people And yet we get welcomed in through Jesus. So is the implication of that that we need to be thinking about space travel as missionary agencies? Like, do we need to take the gospel to these other life forms? Maybe that's the thing. Because I read a novel about that and it didn't end well. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) When Jesus sends the disciples out, it is to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth, but it's not to the ends of the universe. So it could be that you go... Like Jesus just actually only wanted us to deal with our planet. And if he knew that there's other intelligent life forms out there, that he's like, that's not your problem. I'm dealing with them. Like, it seems a bit crazy that the onus would be on us to go and evangelize this other species out there if it needs us to, you know, create interplanetary travel. On the other hand, 
he also would have known what was coming when he said it that he wouldn't he couldn't have said oh and to the ends of the the known universe as you go and discover it in your spaceships and the, all the disciples have been like what the heck are you talking about yeah because the way that the early christians were like they expected it only to be you know a generation or so they thought jesus would return sooner in the same way it might be well it's meant to go further geographically geographically is the wrong word here hey spatially um <laughs> yeah spatially galactically than people expected until we got to like real proper space travel right well because they wouldn't have had a category for outer space would they their cosmology was like the heavens and the earth and the heavens and the earth are included in the New Testament, like Colossians, the like cosmic Jesus mm. picture in Colossians mm. 1 is like all things in heaven and on earth reconciled to God through the cross. So I was chatting to someone about it and they were like, can the atonement, if other creatures are there and they need atonement, then does it apply to like all flesh, say, like rather than all humans? Mm. So the whole kind of like Jesus had to be made like us in every way in order to take on our sin. What does like us in every way mean? Mm. Like I kind of go, oh, well, it's human. He has to be of your species. But like he doesn't have to be of your gender for it to Mm. work. Um, He doesn't have to be of your race for it to work. Which I guess takes us back to like the image of God and what that is because – Surely the image of God isn't this particular body. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Like, it's like it is a profound mystery. I don't want to just like be like, well, here's what it is. There is an option that God has created other humans elsewhere. Oh, yeah. That is true. Well, in Star Trek, they all basically are. They just have like, maybe it's <laughs> like that. Maybe they like, some of them have pointy ears. Some of them have like a really crinkly forehead and are angry a lot. Will it shock you if I say that I. I'm unfamiliar with the Star Trek universe. Um, It will not shock me. (laughs) It will sadden me a little bit, but I will move on from that. (laughs) Speaking of things that perhaps I'm the only one who's familiar with, um, do you guys know of Brother Guy Consul Magno? (laughs) Brother Guy? Not my brother. (laughs) Brother Guy Consul Magno. He's the Pope. Could he have a more male name? (laughs) Uh, His... It's it's got big boy in inverted commas in the middle there. I just didn't read that part. Anyway, he's the Pope's astronomer. He's the official, like he's in the... Oh, yeah, there's a Vatican observatory. Yeah, like he's the guy there. And he points out that the Bible already talks about non-human intelligences created by God, and we call them angels. Mm. And so it is not that there are no other intelligent beings in the universe or... Maybe universe is even the wrong word. In existence. Yeah, and his point with that was the idea of there being aliens or like there being other intelligent life out there shouldn't threaten us because if you read the Bible, we already know there is. But the incarnation, like the atonement doesn't apply to angels, right? And they're not flesh, right? I mean, do we know stuff? But I think I think no. It's a different plane, they're not elsewhere in the universe. On right. rocks somewhere. <laughs> but, I mean, we could get down a whole, like, rabbit trail about, like, the Satan and 
if there was some kind of like a, an angel fall that predated the human fall and what is God going to do about that and etc. And it feels like a lot of the Bible's answer to our questions about all of that is like, never you mind. I like, as I say to the kids at my school, the Bible's not mostly about God and angels. The Bible's mostly about God and us. And so it gives us what we need to know for us. And so maybe that is, maybe that has something to speak into the angel conversation, into the alien conversation. <laughs> Do you feel like that has something to speak into your whole podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Which you might not want to probe too deeply. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we see with the angels, though, is that the the angel's gospel is our gospel. It may not be that it has the same application for them, but like in in the throne room of heaven, they're, they're singing, holy is the lamb who was slain. That's the same the same death that Jesus died that they're singing about. Yeah. And, mm. and, and it is like, it's something that like Peter tells us that angels, it's something that angels long to look into. Like we don't have all the specifics about how it all works, but we know that it, that it's still like, they're all in the same timeline and doing this. They're all part of the same salvation history. Well, yeah. And that answers my question about, can you worship someone not of your like of a species that's different mm. from yours because the angels worship the lamb slash lion slash mm. human mm. jesus so cool tick resolve that one it could it could be then that there are yeah that there are aliens and the aliens have their own relationship with the creator god and they worship the god who has saved them without knowing exactly how or maybe knowing how but that it's still the death of Jesus that's applied to them, in like it like as an extension of like say the the death of Jesus works retroactively that the all the people before Jesus were saved because of the death of Jesus before he had died for them, and that you can be saved if you if you're on another planet and you're another perhaps an alien who might not be human but maybe God has decided that the Jesus death still applies to a, an alien out there. Perhaps. Well, and this is kind of a like, because the, the idea of what happens on the cross is that God is reconciling all things to himself, mm. not mm. just fallen sinful humans, but like all things, like all shattered creation, which is heavens and earth. But then, then my question is, does the fall affect other planets? So if it, um, if it does something to creation... Can, yeah. can you imagine being the aliens on another planet when <laughs> when the fall happened and they're like, everything was going so well and then it just started falling apart and no one knows why. Mm. It would be very perplexing. But that's sort of like that's in the vein of, well, why are we getting punished for what Adam and Eve did? Do you know what I mean? And I think the answer when we do build our, build our spaceship and go and evangelize to those aliens I think my answer to them would be, yeah, sorry about that. But also, don't forget <laughs> that an equally important part of the Adam and Eve story is that it is about who we all are and what Ooh. we all do. So, brother, guy, man, boy, <laughs> Consul Magno, <laughs> I shouldn't mm -hmm. make fun. He seems like a really... Star Pope. <laughs> he... He seems like a wonderful human <laughs> being. I feel bad for making fun of his name. So a lot of the articles that I found about him were the same article because somebody asked him, would you baptize an alien? 
Oh, and his answer was great question. Only if they asked. He and I heard him talking about this, and he was like, you know, he just answered off the top of his head, and then suddenly, you know, the Daily Mail was saying, Pope's astronomer says he wishes he could baptize ET, <laughs> and so well, you know, that's like you can't not click on that headline, right? So I can see. And, And so he, well, this is how I ended up spending so much time learning about Brother Guy. But he pointed out that, like, the question, would you baptize an alien, is kind of a trick question. Like, it's an impossible one to answer. Because if you say yes, you sound like a a kind of arrogant colonizer, you know, like, we have the one true word and, like, you know. And so if he says yes, then the article is, Catholic Church says they're better than everyone, even the aliens. But if you say no... It's like, oh, well, cool. I guess your faith's not big enough for the world of science. Mm. And so only if they ask is actually kind of a genius answer because behind it is like, well, if there are aliens and if they are made in the image of God like we are and if they have fallen like we have and if we come into contact and if we can make communication and if they come to the conclusion that they want to say yes to Jesus... Then, if they ask, sure. So, actually, his answer was, like, brilliant. Yeah. Because like, he was like, if they asked for it, you, like, fold in all the questions about my right. agency and non-coercion and worship. Mm, clever guy. Right. <laughs> Not just a pretty face. Literally clever guy. <laughs> yeah. See, this is interesting because the, the novel which is like a bit of a weird novel. I can't decide if I liked it or not. It's called The Book of Strange New Things, this one where the guy goes as a missionary to this other planet because they ask, this this alien race asks for a missionary to come from Earth. So they had one before and there's, you know, this like Earth corporation who's kind of trying to get resources from this planet. But they're trying not to be an evil corporation and so they're trying to work with the native population of the planet Yeah, and they refuse to let them operate there unless they send them a missionary. So they have to get this minister to kind of come from Earth to talk to the Oasins about Jesus and they're like totally into it. Hmm. For reasons that become apparent throughout the novel. But oh, okay. Like, <laughs> but then the most kind of like fun thing about the book, I think, is him trying to explain things like, like try translating Jesus' parables to yeah. a race, like to a planet where there are no sheep. Yeah. How do, or like agriculture. They don't have agriculture. What are you going to do? Yeah. Which I guess is kind of what we all have to do as 21st century people, you know, like, mm. I mean, we still have sheep, so it's a bit easier for us. Yeah, I but, can picture a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like half of explaining the Bible now is being like, okay, that thing that pops into your head as the surface level reading is actually not the thing he was saying, and here's why. And so it's just like an like a super amplified version of that when you're talking to aliens. But also, like, if God wants us to evangelize to aliens... The Holy Spirit, I'm sure, can work in them to help them understand just as much as he can in us. So did we establish that there's only one incarnation? I don't know if we've established much of anything. (laughs) (laughs) I totally feel like we established that. Okay. Well, because (laughs) as in like you're saying there's not a version of T-Pain's other theory, which is like Jesus popped into every planet. My understanding of the incarnation, which is by no means final, is that it's not kind of a temporary state. Right. 
like Jesus takes on human flesh. Once and, and for he all. he is, yeah, he is human. So you can't like pop in and out. And then this actually kind of led me down a kind of, yeah, mental rabbit hole to do with Narnia and Aslan. Mm. Um, have some have some issues there now. I never had issues there before. So thanks, guys. But that's um, an alternate yeah. universe, surely. Like that was. Yeah. I feel like that's. Uh, it is tricky well, it, though, right? Because mm. like. Even if can you like, pop into alternate universe? Because I had this problem with the with the multiverse. I mean, I have problems with the multiverse anyway. Yeah, but like with the Jesus in different. I'm like, no, guys, he's locked in. He's one of us. That's like, true. Actually, that I is a really good can, point. I don't think he can like universe jump. I, yeah, he different. is. Well, I think we. Well, I mean, before the the multiverse episode, we 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 thought we kind of got to that he he would have the same incarnate, like it would be the same Jesus everywhere. But but then we got to like the last episode, the DNA episode, was that he's locked in. So we've at least progressed in our theological understanding mm. of Jesus in our discussion here. <laughs> but but for maybe what's going on with with Aslan, because that is almost you know Bible theology, is that like <laughs> Aslan appears and disappears. Like he's not always around. And like it could be that Jesus can turn up as Aslan while still being a human, because here's mm. some, here's some other important theology, like in Avatar, where uh, where there's the humans who turn up as the what are they the Navi, and they're not actually the Navi, but they are controlling Navi-like bodies until that weird thing happens with the tree and he, he becomes a Navi or something. I don't remember. It's been a very long oh, time since I hence, watched it. Hence Avatar. Hence Avatar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you think Aslan is an Avatar. Could be. Which is yeah. fine for, like, Lucy and the others. But, you but know, Aslan Thomas? is all like, well, yeah. So Aslan is like, you know, you should get to know me in your own world by another name. And it's like, mm. oh, look, it's it's Jesus. Um, but, like, if you were created, if you're, yeah, Thomas and... Mr. and Mrs. Beaver and whatever, like what, what, like their Aslan is just an avatar and he's not the real thing. But he's still. A, but he's, isn't the thing that happens in Avatar that he starts out as just the guy in the suit and then they do that, like there's some like the tree thing, witch doctor, and they yeah they do the tree thing and then he fully becomes. Yeah, but Jesus is human. He can't fully become the lion. No. But then what happens to, what happens to yeah. us? What but but how does Jesus? how does a lion die for a um, <laughs> what it, what are those the the Mr. Tumnus <laughs> who is not a fallen, Well but he doesn't in actual fact. Doesn't he? Because, I don't remember my lion. Well, I mean, for... In the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, he just dies for Edmund. Yeah. Right? Oh. Like so that the question of the fallenness of Narnia is another question. Oh, mm. yeah. Maybe you should have a Narnia episode <laughs> with all oh, the Narnia Oh, 100%. Questions. Can I just note, not relevant to anything, but I came across it and I had to share. Please. Kant, the philosopher Kant, speculated quite a bit about aliens and whether they would be fallen or not. And I mean, they all, so like they all kind of thought there would be aliens on the moon, there were living beings on mm. you know, the sun and all of the planets, presumably. So he thought that maybe those closer to the sun have fallen further and maybe those further from the sun are less sinful, mm. leaving Earth and its sister planet Mars in the ambiguous middle capable of both noble virtue and humiliating evil. That is not a direct quote from Kant, that's from the 
astrotheology article that I read. <laughs> but wow. I, I haven't confirmed that that is a completely accurate summary of Kant's thought. But I was like, that's an interesting... Are they fallen as in fallen towards the sun, as in the hotter places more sinful, as in the... I would have said that the colder places would be more... But... Well, if you think hell is flames, then the sun mm. is very flamey. <laughs> it is the flamiest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the most flamey. See, we don't need real scientists on this podcast. We are fine. <laughs> sort of. We know the sun's flamey. We know <laughs> about lions. Here's another side question. If Kant ran for president of the United States... Do you think Yes We Can't would be a good or a bad <laughs> campaign slogan? I think that there are countries where that would work, but I don't think America is one of them. I don't think that they enjoy paradox as much. Yeah. As, like maybe Sweden. Mm. Could you run in English in Sweden? I don't know. That's my take is that Kant could be president in Sweden. I wonder how it That is translates. not where I expected to end up today. <laughs> so I, I watched a, a YouTube video because I, I also read an article, just want to be clear on that, but also watched a YouTube video. And there's these people who worship Jesus as an alien, that Jesus himself was an alien who came to Earth. And so was like Martin Luther King and Gandhi. You could just find someone that you like and they were an alien. But then there's the possibility then if Jesus is an alien, then God is an alien. God is just a very, very large alien who is beyond our comprehension. So as far as we can understand him, he's God, but he's just an alien. I, I don't think I believe it. But, and hence not the creator of things. Well, he could be the alien who created things. So like, like so for some more good theology, in Men in Black, you can have a, <laughs> a galaxy in the, in like the, the, is it the dog or the cat's like um, little thing around its neck? Like you can have mm -hmm. a very, very large God who is an alien, who is finite, but seems infinite to us. We wouldn't know. Yeah, there's a question here about size. Yeah. Right? And there's a lot of questions I because, <laughs> because I you know, in response to your T Pain, I'll see your T Pain and raise you a Mark Twain. Oh nice. Ooh, and he rhyming. said how insignificant we are with our pygmy little world. Did Christ live thirty three years in each of the millions and millions of worlds that hold their majestic courses above our heads? Or was our small globe the favoured one of all? Like, and it's this whole idea, which was also when we were, you know, as a, as modern scientists, realizing how big the universe were, mm. universe is, that people were like, well, oh, it's not possible that therefore Christianity makes sense because it's very, it's so geocentric and if the universe is that big and cold reaches of space and there's mm. no God, mm. whereas actually we kind of go, well, it just testifies to the might yeah. of God as creator. Man, trust Mark Twain to <laughs> say the same thing T-Pain said, but, like, way better. better. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be a humorist. I don't think Thomas Paine was all about human rights. He, didn't, he wasn't yeah. into being a humorist. <laughs> Not enough jokes from T-Pain. But my point is that, like, the millions of years of time and the, you know, light years of space are not indicative of 
importance. Yeah. Correct? Mm, yeah. I am, I think, very much with you on the only one incarnation now that I think it all through. <laughs> and I think that, I think, we, I mean, we meandered quite a bit in our multiple universes <laughs> discussion, but for the most part, it was about the worlds where there were humans, right? And so I don't, like, if there are alternate humans in every universe like if it was convergent evolution but for the multiverse and somehow every multiverse in god's providence found humans and then jesus became a human once for all across all of those universes and died for humanity once for all and then is still the human that the bible says that he is that works for me when you get into like mer people and stuff i don't know <laughs> but that was probably the most speculative part of our highly speculative conversation but yeah then when you get to aliens and i think maybe this was another insight from from brother guy i can't remember where i found this but i think it might have been him if the incarnation is how jesus saved us does that have to be how he saved other species Mm. Or could they have had their entirely other thing? How have we come this far in this conversation without mentioning C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy? <laughs> mm. Isn't there something in the... Uh, actually, it's been years and years since I read it. I can't remember. But there's like an unfallen alien race, right? Yeah. But also, isn't there kind of salvation achieved differently or something? Can't remember. Someone will know. I've, I've never read it. I don't know. I have not read them. <gasps> I've tried a few times to read the first one and haven't got there. Um, wow. But, but maybe I should and then maybe C.S. Lewis has already answered it. Who brought a knife to this it. gunfight? I, wow. wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I watch Men in Black, so... Yeah, true. The C.S. Lewis of the modern day. <laughs> the Narnia of the modern day. Sure. Anyway, my point with the bigness of stuff is that God can't just be a very big alien because he's of the same kind and the size doesn't, like it has to be a difference in yeah. kind, doesn't it? Yeah. Hold on. Hold, um, sorry. But, sorry, that doesn't answer your different salvation. Um, hold on. I want to get, that Jesus is <laughs> Jesus is of the same kind or God is of the same kind? No, as in if God or Jesus were just aliens, then they're of the same kind oh, as, he, as, as us. A, like, they're... like you can't just, like just being lots bigger... Or whatever. Or more advanced or whatever. Like yeah. that, that whole thing like of a, like God has to be of another order. Like they're 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 all in creation rather than Yeah. They're all creatures yeah. and I don't think size matters that much. Yeah. Yeah. For for what we believe, God has to not be an, an alien. Mm. Of of all the ways we could be wrong about our faith, it would be a weird way for that that to be the thing that we were wrong about. But I, I, I want to say that it, it's a very, very small possibility. Was it, was it a good YouTube video? Oh, like production values? Yeah, well, it was, it was made by Vox. So they went to oh, visit yeah, these okay. people and there was a reporter who she looked very sceptical the whole way through. <laughs> um, <laughs> no Louis Theroux. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. But it didn't convert me. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably yeah. for the best. Otherwise, I, I'd, I'd have to change my jobs. <laughs> Now's not the time to be changing jobs. Right, not in this economy. <laughs> Can I read you uh, another quote from Re the Reverend Lucas Mix? And I promise I'm not just picking people for their awesome names, <laughs> but Lucas Mix is an Episcopal priest 
He is also an astrobiologist. He's worked at the NASA Astrobiology Institute for the last 15 years. His bachelor's degree is in biochemistry and comparative religion, and he has a doctorate in evolutionary biology at Harvard. And he says that there's no particular evidence of non-human intelligent life out there. But when asked what would extraterrestrial life mean for our theology, he said, it has to do with a long-standing debate about our relationship with God. And I think there are a lot of people out there who want to be reassured that God has a special attention for us and for our planet, which I certainly think God does. But I think also that God is big enough that God can have other kids that God pays attention to as well. So we'd sort of come face to face if we meet aliens with other beings capable of having the kind of relationship with God that we do. And I think that would be tremendously good for us. Of course, it will be a readjustment, but honestly, I think it's more of an emotional adjustment than it is an intellectual adjustment. What do you think? Like a geocentric or heliocentric galaxy, right? Solar system. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow, this thing this just like goes bigger than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. mind if God wants to have another family somewhere else, that's fine by me. <laughs> it's very accepting of you. <laughs> I don't think the metaphor is God as the, like, that <laughs> high-flying CEO <laughs> who, like, has a secret family in another country and is splitting his time between the two families. I, I, my brain went to when my parents had my little sister, they didn't love me less so that they could love her some. That's what they told you. But you probably felt like maybe they did. Yeah, maybe I did. And there was an adjustment process. Mm. But in the end, it was like, oh, no, like, actually, love is not a finite resource. Yeah, in the end, it's actually more love. Right. Multiplication of relationship. Yeah. and So, So you want siblings is what you're saying. I guess so. Intergalactic siblings. Right. I feel like that's a relevant question here. Do you want there to be alien life? When I say relevant, I mean interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't mind. I like there's not I'm not like, oh man, I hope there's aliens. But I'm also like, oh, I hope there's not aliens. One of the places we landed with the multiverse podcast that I still stand by in spite of everything else getting turned on its head is the fact that the existence of aliens, like the existence of other universes, has no bearing on the greatness of God one way or another. I can't remember if this is something that John Dixon said or if he is just the one that I read it from first, but he uses the, the idea of like when you walk into an art gallery and there's a massive room with one little painting in it, that's not like, oh, they couldn't get enough paintings to fill this room. It's like, no, this painting is like a big deal. Mm. And so the space is actually like a testament to the attention that that one particular work of art deserves. Mm. And so I don't buy the whole thing with like Carl Sagan and his whole, is it him that said, I don't know. The pale blue dot thing. The like, if... We're the only ones. It's also in the movie Contact. I I forget. I don't know where it's actually from. But like, if the whole universe is empty except for us, that seems like an awful waste of space. And I don't buy that because I think that if it turns out that the vastness of the universe is just to show us the vastness of God, awesome. That's great. That's not a waste. How could God showing us his vastness be a waste? But equally, if... It's populated with a million other species and we get to meet them all one day. That also shows us the vastness of God. Mm. And so either way, I'm like, great, good one. Mm. Like I think for a lot of people, or at least for some people, it would be a real existential threat, in not in terms of like Independence Day blowing up all of our monuments, but like 
oh no, my whole theology is being based on us being the only ones. Whereas for me, I'm like, ah, that that would not bother me. Like it wouldn't rattle me that there are other species out there that wouldn't make me go, oh no, therefore God can't be real. And in a way, is that how this question is sort of helpful to think about, that it makes us less geocentric and kind of human like anthropocentric mm. what's the word because there's because there's two ways to read the like art analogy there's the kind of oh look actually the vastness of space makes us greater appreciate the amazingness of god but the artwork thing makes it sound like well the whole room exists to showcase this thing which is the important thing in the room and I feel like the vastness of space doesn't say, oh, this is how important God thinks we are. Mm. It says actually God is this incredibly creative, you know, he loves to make things and he delights in them. Yeah. So this, those stars don't exist for us. Mm. They exist because God loves to make stars, mm. right? Yeah. And then he generally, generously gives them to us as part of the home that he has created for us or he he generously like shares that beauty with us and lets Mm. us be a part of it and this is true of like our planet as well right that it's for us but it's also not like god doesn't just create species for our amusement or use there's like a delight that he has Mm. in his creation which is not only in relation to us and that has, you know, implications for how we treat them. Mm. Okay, can I bring up, just while we're talking aliens and space travel, this has, like, <laughs> been our most, like, divert. like, this has just, like, become All over the, the space shop. one. <laughs> but that's, okay, so this got cut out of a book that I'm writing, potentially for space and potentially because a book for children about the new creation probably does not need my wild speculation about space travel. However, may it find its new home in this book that we're writing. When human beings were created, they were created to rule the world under God. They were created to partner with God to like get out there and subdue and fill the place and take what the garden was and make everywhere like the garden. As in like we were supposed to spread out through the whole world and bring it under Oh, so does that apply to space? Control? And so why Ooh. do we assume we were supposed to stop at Earth? Like what if the vastness of space cuz like the reason this came up in the book is like it was part of the chapter on if Jesus brings billions of people back to life, won't the world be overpopulated? And I kept the bit that was like, guys, God's got it covered. Don't worry about it. But the <laughs> bit that got cut out was, well, the the obstacles to space travel are time, resources, and our ability to work functionally together. And in the new creation, all of those will be gone. What if part of the answer is we can just go, like you can go to Alpha Centauri. So what you're saying is that Elon Musk is Cyrus. I'm not not <laughs> saying not. that. <laughs> He's, you know, bringing about the will of the Lord without knowing um, by expanding the reach of humanity. Well, we'll see. Okay. Maybe he's not doing it exactly. Th- but, like, I get, but you know, I mean, so... like, the extension of the garden thing. Sorry, Tom. Mm, right. Tom's <laughs> like, what? How is this still going? <laughs> <laughs> um, the extension of the garden thing, that does 
do you think that implies that there would be no wild places left in the world if we were caring for it right? I don't think it would no, be. No, 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 not like... So shouldn't there be wild spaces in the universe and maybe that's the whole rest of the universe? Well, so I don't think subdue and fill means like pave over. But even cultivate in the garden sense. You don't want everywhere to be a garden. No, but wild has a different meaning post-fall than it does... Mm. You know, like wild equals dangerous now, but in the new creation it won't. Well, all the more reason why before the fall, wild would have been a good thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we we've we've won. Tom is Tom is giving us a <laughs> we are wandering Tom. from the topic face. Um, <laughs> I'm like I don't I don't know it. I don't know how we got here, but. <laughs> Chris is like, oh, space, let see a thing. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was just me getting on my space travel soapbox. Okay, so I think the place that we've come to is there may or may not be aliens out there. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't settle that one. If there are and if they are in some sense made in God's image and if they, you know, like back to the would you baptize an alien only if they asked, if they are in some sense part of what God is doing in the redemption of the universe in the same way that human beings are or in an analogous way to which human beings are, then either we're meant to share the gospel with them or Jesus is sorting that out some other way. But either way, the existence of aliens should expand our view of God and not threaten it, right? Like either way, it's just like, whoa, God is doing this other awesome cool thing that we didn't know about. And at whatever point we find out about it, that's an invitation from God to participate in that. And so if the redemption of all things includes aliens, cool. If it doesn't, cool. Like, either way, how good's God? Like, it's not not enough that he made this awesome planet. If he made more, great. I agree with the first part and the last part, and maybe the middle part I don't, but that's cool. Okay, which is the middle part is... <laughs> I feel like you assume fallenness, and I I have some doubts about fallenness in the rest of, like, in other... Like, and <laughs> it's just an instinct, right? <laughs> what do I know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. You just feel like this one went wrong, right? Mm. Would God do that twice? Like if you if you bestow moral agency on creatures, I suppose there has to be the possibility of them falling. But I mean, once seems like a tragedy that is redeemed. Like if it happens more than once, that seems like carelessness. To misquote Oscar Wilde. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we have someone on the podcast this week that can even misquote Oscar Wilde <laughs> is a step up for us. <laughs> I have no astrophysics, but literature <laughs> had to bring it in somehow. Yeah, I think I think I'm happy to say that if there are aliens and they are intelligent aliens with agency, that the gospel will have some application to them because the death and resurrection of Jesus is not a local event, it's a cosmic event. Mm. But the relationship of these aliens to the gospel, we don't know. And that's not even for us to know. God will sort it out with them and we might get to heaven and meet them and say, oh, well, that's how it worked. And we'll be so happy that they're there. But until that point, we don't really need to worry about it because that's God's responsibility and not ours. Unless we meet them 
and then we can have that debate. If I can give you a quote mm -hmm. that I found, this is uh, from a guy whose last name is Hoffman, and I forgot to record his first name, but this is an important Dustin, one. right? <laughs> Hoff. <laughs> it is this. If life is discovered elsewhere, unfortunately, we need to have more discussion about it. <laughs> I thought that was thought that that, that solved it for me. <laughs> nice place yep. to finish. Yeah. <laughs> So All we right. haven't had enough discussion about it. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to put in like my final two cents do before it. you close it. Is that allowed? Yeah, okay. yeah. Number go, one, yeah, there, are only number, there are only two because I'm not Anglican enough. Number one, I feel like we've mostly talked about the gospel as like the atonement mm. and actually the gospel, if we think of it as like the whole revealed will of God, like absolutely applies to anything in the universe including aliens. Nice. Mm -hmm. And secondly, isn't the moral of the story that science and theology are and should be friends? And there was a lovely quote from the slightly wacky astrotheology article that I read that said, when science scores, theology cheers. Oh, and love I thought it. that was nice. Which it's not oh, always good. like accurate, right? But it should be. That is, I love that. I'm done. So one also final wrapping up thought, Reverend Lucas Mix says the story like he says there's no evidence of non-human intelligent life out there but in the meantime the stories we tell about aliens are of course the stories we tell about our neighbors and so maybe one thing to take away from all of this is if it turns out there are aliens probably the biggest question we have is like how can we love them how can we best show kindness to them and at and how can we best demonstrate the love of God to them, whether that is sharing the good news of Jesus or whether that is just coexisting in a universe where they already know about him or whatever. It's like what you said, Tom, about how we need to wait and see and have the conversation when the aliens show up. But I think always, always, always the call of Jesus is for us to love and welcome the alien and the stranger, even when the alien is like a literal space alien. Mm. Nice pastoral move there at the end. Mm. Right. Let's 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 get ready to love some aliens. <laughs> whether they are across the galaxy or right next door. Thank you for listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should I should I wrap this up then? I think it's only gonna go downhill from <laughs> All here. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, that's that's a question not answered for you, but well discussed. Um, <laughs> Natasha, if people want to find more of your stuff, where should they go? Oh, good question. I don't have a Schmidt website like you guys, but you can go to publicchristianity.org and my stuff is there, including the the book, the new one. The Men the of Lakeside. Pessimism, the fun one. Oh, The <laughs> Pleasures of Pessimism. Right, <laughs> yeah. Feel free to go down that rabbit hole too. But <laughs> the I, pleasures of pessimism by Natasha so. Moore out now in all good bookstores or e-retailers. Get a copy now. It's it's available somewhere. <laughs> available, available, available. It's definitely available on the Amazon because uh, I I pre-ordered it today. Before, oh, we're you did? Early. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did. That's nice. And and my wife who. Uh, I say is a pessimist, and she says she's a realist. Uh, I was reading her the blurb. All pessimists say that. Yeah, yeah she's a good pessimist. And she said, mm -hmm. I read her the blurb and she said, I would read that. And I said, I'll buy it for you. And she was like, 
I'm not going to read it on your Kindle, though, so you'll get two sales of that book oh, from that family. That brings me joy. I think, you know, maybe you're the first. I hope so. And chances are you're still going to be in lockdown, and it feels like a great lockdown read to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Pandemics are mentioned. Right? <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to my new pandemic read. Now, Chris, if people want to hear, see, or find more from you, particularly any videos about arms, elbows, and knees, where should they go? Um, they can go to chrismorphew.com and from there you can find my YouTube channel and the elbows and knees video and they can also find my books, including Best News Ever, Your 100-Day Guide to the Gospel of Mark, available in some places. Tom, how about you? Well, they can go to tomfrench.com.au and they can find all my stuff there. Uh, yeah, that's it. I don't have any new books coming out soon, so just find my old stuff. Yeah. It's good. If you like this podcast, you will love Weird, Crude, Funny, and Nude, The Bible Exposed. Um, so pick up your copy today. Great. Well, thank you. All right. That's, uh, that's that. great. We'll see you later, everyone. We'll see you next time for a question we haven't decided we'll answer yet. We haven't discussed that, so see you around. It'll be it'll be great though. See ya. Bye.